Hey everyone, this is Dr. Tim Cummings. And this is Dr. Jess Cummings. And this is the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. Welcome back to the Healthy Kansas City Podcast, everybody. Dr. Jess and I are really excited this week to introduce you guys to Dr. Bradley Dyer. Dr. Dyer is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. He was certified in internal medicine, and he also completed a residency in psychiatry. But what's really interesting about him is where he went from there. He went on to complete a fellowship in integrative medicine at the Dr. Andrew Andrew Wheel Center for Integrative Medicine, and then went on to become a certified functional medicine practitioner through the Institute for Functional Medicine. All that background and training gave Dr. Dyer the mindset and the idea to start his practice that he runs here in North Kansas City called Premier Integrative Health and the Center for Personalized Medicine. Dr. Dyer has been running this practice since March of 2016, and he is just doing an awesome job at helping a ton of people. And we're going to dive in today with the particular niche that he works with, which is really a, a broad and expanding niche. Yeah, today he is going to talk about um, preventing and reversing type 2 diabetes, which in the last several decades, particularly in America, has been a huge, huge problem. It's um, severely on the rise. It's one of the leading causes of death, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and so this conversation is just amazing. He's doing incredible things with his clients. He's seeing great results. And so we are really excited for you guys to give us a listen. Um, if you feel so inclined, we would appreciate it if you rate and review the podcast, if you like what you're hearing, um, share it with your friends, get the word out so others can just hear these interviews and um, learn about the amazing providers that we are interviewing here in Kansas City and just give our community the information they need to stay well. Absolutely. We would love that. Or if you don't like the podcast, don't leave it with you, <laughs> yeah, as we just, always say. Just don't. <laughs> but seriously, guys, we hope you enjoy this. Look up Dr. Dyer's info. He is doing great work. And enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome to the Healthy Kansas City Podcast. And today we have an awesome interview with Dr. Bradley Dyer who owns Premier Integrative Health. So um, Dr. Dyer, we're thrilled to have you today. Thanks for your time. Yes. Thanks for being here. You're a busy guy. So we're, we feel fortunate that you're here with us. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys. I feel very fortunate to be on here. And so I, I love working with you guys and having my patients work with you guys. And so I appreciate the opportunity to, to be on here. Thank say you. Likewise. Yeah. Um, can you start just by giving us a little background? Like, why did you decide to become a doctor? You know, what is your interest in medicine and kind of take us through your history and then where you're at today? Yeah. And so my interest in medicine really started off with an interest in fitness and nutrition and what the human body was capable of and, and natural medicine. And that's kind of how it all began. You know, I really got into weight training and, you know, late high school, early college and, and just human performance. And, you know, I started off as a finance major, um, but it was kind of more like a partying major. It wasn't working out really well for me. Uh, but I, I took an anatomy class and it just, that changed my whole entire life. And so I knew that I, I wanted to practice medicine after that. So I moved to Kansas City, you know, really focused in on there. And Did you go I, to school in Kansas City? I did, yeah. So I went to, I, I started off in Springfield, Missouri, where I'm from, and then finished out my 
pre-med at UMKC in Kansas City. And then I went on to go to the DO school in Kansas City, which has been, you know, it's been under a lot of different names since I started there, but, you know, the Kansas City University of Medicine. And so that's the local DO school. And then from there, I went on to do a dual residency at KU Med in both internal medicine uh, and psychiatry. And so it was, I learned, you know, I was trained both as an internal medicine doc and a psychiatry doc. You know, and the thing about med school and the thing about residency is they kind of have a way of, you know, filtering you into conformity into the conventional method, you know, Mm -hmm. of, okay, you learn about pathophysiology and, okay, you have this set of symptoms, we're going to call it this ICD-10 code and then go down this algorithm of treatment. And in some instances, that's how you should do it. But most of the disease burden these days, you know, 80% or greater is chronic disease. It's lifestyle driven disease. And so that particular model doesn't really serve the healthcare needs of what we're faced with today. Um, And as a hospitalist, you know, the cool thing was my schedule was seven days on and seven days off. Uh, And so I started to get a little bit more disillusioned with conventional medicine. And I I feel like I was catching people on the tail end of things. You know, they'd already developed their heart disease. They've already developed their diabetes. And I'm seeing them in the hospital when it was really bad enough that they got admitted to the hospital for whatever reason. You know, and I would see the shortcomings of conventional medicine, of how just giving another pill or adding another pill for the side effect of the pill that we put them on the first time just really wasn't getting the job done. You know, we would get these patients out, but then they would come back a lot of times for the same thing. You know, we'd call them frequent flyers. And so we'd see a lot of frequent flyers and, you know, and like with diabetes, for example, we would even see people who, you know, they were following the American Diabetes Association guidelines for diet, uh, which I could go on and on and on about why that's not (laughs) the way to go, but they were following those, they were taking their prescribed medications, but they were still going on dialysis. They were still losing their feet. They were still having heart attacks. And so I, I knew there had to be a different way. And, you know, I'd always been interested in Dr. Andrew Weil. I'd read a lot of his books. You know, he's largely considered the, the father of integrative medicine. He, in fact, coined the term integrative medicine. And so I had been kind of casually looking at his um, fellowship program. You know, and I had thought about doing something like that right after residency, but, you know, life happens and I'd had my first child and I had to pay some bills. And so that's when I, how I kind of made into that transition into, into hospital medicine. But on those seven, those seven days off that every other week I had off, you know, I started studying integrative medicine. I applied for Dr. Andrew Weil's integrative medicine fellowship program, at the University of Arizona and got accepted to that. And so that was kind of my transition into that type of education. And then I discovered functional medicine, which really just blew the lid off for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Functional medicine was exactly what I was looking for. It was really that deep scientific dive with using the latest literature on, you know, what's going on with how the microbiome contributes to disease, how diet contributes to disease, how sleep, how stress management environmental toxins and how all of these things actually contribute to disease. And, you know, it's never, you know, what disease do you have? It's what do you need to do to create health? And that really kind of blew the lid off for me. And as I was getting certified uh, as a functional medicine provider, 
it became more and more and more philosophically difficult to do my conventional job. And I knew I had to do something different. I knew I had to find a way to practice medicine in the way that I, you know, the way I originally wanted to practice when I, when I thought about being a doctor and going to medical school, like I, I dreamed of having, you know, the type of practice that I have now, but that, that turned out not to be the reality for, you know, the vast majority of people, but I knew I had to create it. And, you know, for me, it was a little bit scary because they don't give you any business training at all in medical school. None. We can relate. I'm laughing. Yes. We can definitely yeah. relate. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't a course offered in physical therapy school either. Seems to yeah. be the general consensus for healthcare providers. <laughs> no, it, it, it's so true. You know, they, they don't teach you any of that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not business savvy by definition. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big thinker guy, a big picture guy. You know, the small details, the logistics. Um, that's not my strong suit, uh, but you know, this was, this was clearly God's in the, or the universe's plan for me because I had just decided, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, and I'd found a beautiful place in the river market, uh, where it all first began for us. And, and that's where Tim that, and I first met you. It was a great place. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Great and vibe when we walked in, that was so fun. <laughs> And that space is kind of how it all got started, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm doing this. And I signed a lease. Then I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> I have to start a medical practice and run a business. But all the right people came into my life at the right time. I mean, it's undescribable how, you know, you know, when we talk about things like the law of attraction and, mm. you know, what you think about expands and, and that absolutely happened, you know, when, mm. you know, when the student is ready, a teacher appears and that that's kind of how it unfolded for me. And it just continued to grow. And when I started practicing that type of medicine, I mean, I had more hugs and tears and life altering, you know, moments. And I can't believe I feel this good in six months of that practice as as I had six years, you know, as a hospitalist. And we've just continued to grow now. We're in in a brand new facility with, you know, a test kitchen and we're doing group visits and, you know, we're really doing a lot to focus around diabetes and metabolic disease. And, and so that's kind of my story, my journey, and kind of, kind of how I ended up here. Well, I love it. And dive more into what you're doing now, because are you only treating people who have diabetes in your practice? Like, it seems like you've really honed in on that in like the last six months or so, or do you still take other clients with chronic diseases? Yeah, no. So we, we still see everyone. And, you know, this is kind of a work in progress for me. You know, for years, I would say our biggest population was autoimmunity and in gut issues, digestive issues. Mm-hmm. So whether that be Crohn's or colitis or SIBO, um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, all those, you know, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So a lot of autoimmunity, um, a lot of digestive issues. And we still see those. But, you know, as you have mentioned, I've really kind of started what we would call, you know, in our industry, niching to, to diabetes and to, to metabolic disease. And part of the reason behind that is, you know, when you look at, we'll just continue to use diabetes, it's the leading cause of blindness in the United States. It is the leading cause of dialysis in the United States. It is the leading cause of non-traumatic amputations in the United States. It is a major contributor to stroke. It is a major contributor to heart disease. And, you know, almost one in two people in America are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. 
And out of those people that are pre-diabetic, it is crazy. It really is. <laughs> and what's even scarier is out of the people who are pre-diabetic, 90% of those people don't even know it. And that, mm. that's the problem with pre-diabetes and diabetes is you don't always feel bad. You don't have pain. You know, you just may feel a little sluggish or, you know, you have a little bit of gut issues or you're craving, you know, you crave sugar and carbohydrates or you're gaining a little bit of weight, but people just, that's almost people's new normal, sadly. Mm. Uh, and so people don't really know that, you know, they're, they're, they're having underlying issues with blood sugar regulation. And so they're already damaging their heart. They're already damaging their eyes and their kidneys and their blood vessels, and they don't know it. And then the other problem is the way, in my, in my opinion, the way that conventional medicine goes about diabetes, you know, mainly using, you know, pharmaceuticals and, and insulin and things like that, it does not get at the underlying problem. It will make your hemoglobin A1C look better. That's absolutely true. But when you look at the literature, it does not reduce, you know, overall mortality. It doesn't reduce the dialysis or the loss of limbs or any of those things that we talked about. And so it really, when you know how to properly address it, it's not that difficult. And so it's, this is a condition that almost half of our country suffers with. Conventional medicine is not doing it right, is not you know, doing it justice. And it's not that difficult to do it right. And so that, I mean, it's a win-win-win as far as why I, I wanna focus in on that. And I've, I've seen people's lives change so dramatically with that. And, where this is also where we've made a big transition is we started doing group visits mm -hmm. and we're only about, we're about eight weeks into doing this now. We just started our second group. And to be honest with you, this is the most rewarding thing of my professional career mm -hmm. to have these group visits. And right now there's zoom, but we've all been doing zoom via groups now. And so almost everyone knows what that's like. You still get to see everyone. I haven't figured out a zoom yet. You probably have, like you're going to figure it out right over the course of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all quasi zoom experts. Now. Yeah. But to do these groups and to see people support each other, you know, is it's just, I just, I get goosebumps, you know, and mm. just to see, you know, we have a private Facebook group for people that are in the group and to see people support each other in, in the Facebook group, because, you know, us as healthcare professionals, we're, we know what it's like to support people and see change. And it, it's very gratifying and it feels very good, but in a community group setting, when it comes to health, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, a nurse or if you're a roofer or whatever industry you're in, when you start to develop experiences like, ah, oh, you know, I struggled with fasting and here's what I did. You know, oh man, I used to be totally hooked on soda and here's how I got off, you know, and that to be able to help someone that has gone through something that you did, then it's, it just makes, it gives everyone that same amazing feeling that you and I get a feel when we help someone improve their life and improve their health. And I can see it in their faces. I can see it in their eyes when, when they actually make that improvement and when other people experience it. And then you guys know too is sometimes as providers, I mean, we can pontificate all day long and talk until we're blue in the face, but sometimes it's when that person sitting next to them who is in their same position, who has gone through the same thing, and they'll say exactly what we say, and but then the person's like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> yes. you know? Because, you know, it just, it, it makes such a huge difference. And so moving forward, 
ideally what, what we would like to do as a, as a practice is I would like to eventually have about 75% of my time be group visits and about 25% of my time be one-on-one, -on -one, you know, really honing in on some of the other things. But our practice is growing. I mean, I just hired a naturopathic doctor who is absolutely nice. amazing. Yeah. We're, ext we're extremely lucky to have her. And so she is going to serve that role for people who may not have been well suited for our six month program mm -hmm. or for our diabetes group programs. And so now we have a way for people to be part of the premier integrative health family and work with her on a, a number of different conditions. Uh, you know, for example, she's great with women, with women's hormones. I've never mm -hmm. liked women's hormones. <laughs> it's never been yeah. that good. Uh, you know, but she's great. Uh, and so she will be able to handle a lot of these other things that, you know, I may not be able to, to do because I'm devoting more time to groups. And so, but then those people will still have access to the health coach and the nutritionist and, you know, all the other community benefits and partnerships that we've built over the years. Mm. Well, I love the group thing because I was just thinking about this. We were talking to a trainer and we had interviewed a trainer last week on our podcast and he was talking about, um, you know, he, he does a lot of motivational type things and his books and his gym is all about like making fitness a priority. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about like having people that surround you, that support you. Like that is huge. And Tim and oh. I take for granted that we have each other. Like it's easy for us to move often and well, like we're PTs and Tim has a strength and conditioning background and we live together and we're married and, you know, so like the movement piece of things, like we've got down, that's no problem. Yeah. And you know, this personally, we know you and, you know, you know that we we changed our diet many, many years ago now, but it's easy to stay on board because we're both on board with eating clean. We're both on board with meal prep, meal planning, you know, we have each other but a lot of our clients don't have a great support system. And I don't mean to knock their families or their friends, like the, most of America doesn't live a healthy lifestyle. So that's just, that's a hard thing to get on board, but man, it is so hard to get all of those lifestyle pieces that you might need on board yeah. to deal with the chronic illness if you don't have support. So if you can get it from something like what you're doing, where maybe your spouse or your kids or your family or whoever it is that you live with isn't able to do that for you, well, you can still get that in the environment you've set up, which is phenomenal. That's what I think is so cool. Yeah, just to chime in, it is. It's that idea of, yeah, really connecting people. And, you know, I think the other thing that goes along with that that really resonates with us that you brought up was the just getting to the root of what's going on. Yes. And I think as I think about this, it it seems to me that all this stuff blends together, you know, that you can't treat people like you were talking about just from a symptom management perspective. Mm -hmm. And you can't just throw more medicine at the problem or necessarily just throw more money at the problem. It's like, you've got to look at the person in front of you, understand who they are, what they need, and then treat them as a person, not just as a problem to solve. And it sounds like you're, you're really kind of threading that needle well in terms of not only giving the people what they need at an individual level within that community piece as well which like jess said and like you're you're doing now i think and we're all realizing in this time where we're not seeing as many people it's like that community piece is huge yes, so for sure it, it's been a game changer and we've always tried to have community on some level but these group visits i, I mean it's you know my colleagues who have been doing this longer you know these group visits for a couple of years now they've told me all this mm. and they've been telling me you know to do it and i've just i've wanted to do it and wanted to do it and honestly it was covid that mm -hmm. really kind of pushed that timeline 
Um, I keep hearing this from people like us included, like COVID has been a a horrible season for a lot of reasons, but there's also been a lot of really cool things that have come out for our business and for us personally, lots of challenges too, but I love to hear that, that like, oh, well, because I've had a little bit of time, you know, amazing what you can do when you actually have time. (laughs) Well, not only having time too, but you know, you uh, as a business owner, you have to adapt. You know, you have to adapt quickly. And so doing these virtual group visits, I mean, we knew on like, we, we had to get it done. So the team and I worked, you know, triple time to get these programs together and get a beta group out. Uh, and so it really kind of moved the timeline ahead for us, mm. but just having that community, another great thing about the community is, you know, it's, it's, they're not always dependent on the provider. And so mm-hmm. with this community Facebook group, people will post a question and there may be a couple of responses from you know other community members before me or my nutritionist or my health coach even get to it and so that's beautiful in a sense that everyone's contributing it's you know and it's there there gets to be so many you know different caring heart-centered people with very good actionable knowledge and information because they've done it and when they start sharing that really helps and again we, we are just starting this. So this Facebook group is small because it's only for people who have been through uh, the EOD program, the Empowerment Over Diabetes program. But what's cool is once you're in that group, you're in it for life. And mm-hmm. so as we continue to turn through different classes or groups throughout this program, that number is just going to grow and grow and grow. And so the, there'll be so many more people to support people through their journey, so many more people at different stages. And your, your patients, you know, whether they're active or former, they, they will get so much value from that. And, and, it, and you don't even have to do anything. I mean, it's- yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really feel like that's the way it's supposed to be. And like Jess was saying, I, I think that's the common theme of what we've seen since we started this podcast and all the different providers we've talked to have mentioned this idea of community and how it, it does take a team to really help people. And I think that the consumers, you know, the clients we work with are starting to figure this out as well. That's just, and it's so cool to see that that's just, it's scaling across so many different arenas and kind of domains in medicine as well, that it's not just like, oh, well, this just works in a gym or this just works in like a physical therapy practice that it works in a practice like yours and, Mm -hmm. you know, so many others that we're seeing as well. That's, that's super encouraging. I, I think we're really seeing uh, a grassroots shift in terms of where medicine is going. So uh, that's one of the things we love about about knowing you and getting to work with you is we feel like we're kind of all in the same boat together, rowing and paddling in the same direction. So <laughs> it's a nice, speaking of community, it is nice to yeah. not feel alone in that regard. Um, and I don't want to totally switch gears, but I want to backtrack a little bit for our listeners because you had mentioned how many people have diabetes or pre-diabetes, you know, they're going that direction and have no symptoms. They have no idea. And Tim and I can relate to that. We have two family members who um, found out one through a nutritionist and one just through general blood work, like how high their fasting glucose was. Mm-hmm. And like, and their doctor didn't say anything about it. Like, you know, we had to be like, you know, that, that number is really, did they discuss this with you? But I think that's really important for our listeners to realize, like if, if somebody is listening to this and they're concerned how do you kind of check for that to make sure you're okay? Like what, what is your suggestion for kind of the preventive end of things? Yeah. And so the two ways that people are conventional medicine usually will track for that is fasting glucose mm-hmm. and then a measurement called hemoglobin A1C. 
And so a hemoglobin A1C is a number that's representative of an average of what your blood sugar has been for three months. Mm -hmm. And so a healthy glucose is around 80 um, or lower. If you start to get to that, you and know, that's fasting, right? Um, right. Right. Okay. So Just to make if sure. you start to get, you know, to that 80 to 100 range, you know, then you're starting to look at prediabetes, um, or I would say 80 to 126. Um, they used to say, you know, below a hundred is, it's fine, but we kind of look at that 80 marker is really what is ideal health. Mm. And then if your fasting glucose is 126, then that's where you start to hit the diabetes mark. And so if you're 126 or higher, that's diabetes. And when it comes to hemoglobin A1C, you know, you really want to be at 5.5 or lower. When you get to 5.7, to 6.4, that's considered pre-diabetes. And then when you get to 6.5 or above, that's considered diabetes. And so fasting glucose and the hemoglobin A1C are fairly standard. Usually they're only checking hemoglobin A1C if you're already diagnosed diabetic or you know, if you have been found to be in the pre-diabetes range. However, that's a marker that I think as a wellness provider that everyone should know because it will start to creep up, you know, before you might see alterations in fasting glucose. But what, where, what I really like to check is actually fasting insulin. And this is rarely ever checked mm -hmm. in conventional medicine. And so, and it's, this is one of the things that's frustrating to me because this is a very cheap test. It's covered by insurance. There's no reason, it's not some fancy test, you know, that you have to pay a bunch out of pocket for. There's no reason not to check it. But a fasting insulin, will start to go up years before there'll be issues with glucose, before there'll be issues with the hemoglobin A1C. And so that will start to see when people are insulin resistant because mm -hmm. diabetes is not a blood sugar problem, you know, at its core, it's an insulin problem. It's an issue with insulin resistance. And so by checking a fasting insulin, you know, you really want that fasting insulin to be around 10 or lower. And so if it's higher than that, then you're developing insulin resistance. And just because you have insulin resistance may not mean that you're going to go on to have diabetes, but that's a huge contributor to obesity, to truncal weight gain, to hormonal issues, to PCOS, to fatigue, to all kinds of stuff. And so insulin is a, really a precursor for almost all chronic diseases you know, that we know of, cancer and heart disease and diabetes and stroke and, and all of those things. And so I find you, that so fascinating. I mean, that's everybody should know that, like that phrase that you just said, that that is like the precursor to almost all of the chronic diseases, which is like you said early on in the podcast, the majority of what you guys as physicians are seeing now, right? Like people have yeah, chronic oh yeah, disease absolutely. versus like, I absolutely want to be in this country if I have some acute thing, like we've got great ERs and in hospitals, but you know, just from my personal history dealing with Hashimoto's, like, you know, this, cause you and I have talked about this, like I'm healthy now, but I had to figure it out on my own and yep. seek out providers like you. I didn't even know you at the time. Otherwise I would have come to see you, but you know, I had great integrative providers that really helped me. And I just, I can't even fathom where I would be now if I didn't have people like you helping me out from the functional side of things and the lifestyle piece. Well, you know, and it's interesting. And I, we, we get people coming to us a lot that will complain about their doctor, um, their conventional doctor. And really, honestly, it, it is not the human being that is the physician for the most part. 
it's, it's a, there's two main issues how I see it. It's our medical education because we are taught pathophysiology. We are literally taught how to take a set of symptoms or take some lab values, take this type of information and correlate that with a disease process. And then we're taught the treatment for that disease process from a surgical, pharmaceutical, procedural standpoint. You know, and when our healthcare system was created, you know, acute disease and infection and trauma, that's what killed people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that, that model, when that model was created, there really wasn't, uh, there, well, there definitely wasn't autoimmunity, but things like heart disease, cancer, that, I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily a thing. Sure. But that model has maintained. And so that's what we've always done. So these doctors are, they're not taught prevention. You know, we're not taught about food as medicine and about the impact of nutrition, the impact of environmental toxins, the impact of sleep deprivation and stress management. We're just not, we're not taught that stuff. There's a little bit of lip service to it, but that, that's, that's not really what we're taught. And then the second biggest issue is the system. And so then you go to work in a system where as a primary care doctor, you may have eight, 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes to spend with that patient. And so even if you had the knowledge base, you don't have the time, you know, Mm -hmm. you have enough time to do exactly what you were taught to do, to listen. Okay. I, you've had this, this, and this, let's call it this. I got a drug for that. Here you go. Next patient. And it, I, a lot of my friends and colleagues in primary care, they, they don't like that, but, mm-hmm. but that's the reality. You know, yeah. that's, that's just the reality of it. That's the system. It's the compensation model. That's how we're paid. It's how we're reimbursed. You know, the, it's insurance companies that dictate how many patients a doctor needs to see a day. It's not the yeah. doctor. Isn't you that know, crazy? Say, it's so sad. <laughs> you know, they may say last year you saw you know, 25 patients in a day to make your same salary this year, we need you to see 30 patients in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's, so it's, it's the education, it's the system. Um, and, you know, and there are bad apples, just like, you know, there are bad physical therapists or bad yeah. cooks or bad, or bad whatever there is. All the time, like, I can't speak very highly of our profession only because a lot of the insurance model, it is like yeah. it's volume and you may be a great PT, but it's what the, can you do in 15 minutes? Yeah. Like, not much. <laughs> yeah. Like you're talking about, it's the constraints yeah. of the, mm-hmm. the system where you, you don't have the time to really deploy your skill set. Mm-hmm. I think well, the other side of that that's interesting too, like we've been talking about is it seems like and I think this is, this is very commonplace in the medical world in particular, there's, there's two things happening. One, there's a push for evidence-based medicine as it relates to like cost control for medical services, but then there's not an acknowledgement that the evidence base is probably 15 to 20 years behind. <laughs> what we're seeing actually works at a clinical level. And so it's like, if we're waiting for everything to be proved with that, like, you know, placebo, you know, double blind, randomized, like controlled study. It's just, you know, we're, we're going to be, yeah, just uh, sinking quickly waiting for that to happen. So I think that that's another piece I, I think you're spot on with the, the idea that the system is just really not facilitating this, but also we just don't have, yeah, the time as individuals and the education piece as well, I think is lagging a little bit too. 
So. Yeah, I feel like the the load is really more on the patient or the client. I don't know what phrases you guys like to use. I use both, I guess. <laughs> I feel like client is better. Patient just sounds like you're a sick person. Client is like, you know what? You got this. Like, I'm going to help you. You're going to help you. And we're going to go from there. So, but for our clients, like a lot of the um, load is on them, I think, to seek out providers like you and like us who are going to give them the time of day and either refer them on to someone that can help them, or if we can help them, we'll absolutely do it. And we spend a lot of time with our clients. and I know that you do as well. Um, but again, going back to that piece of things. So you were talking about the fasting glucose and the A1C, which that's always drawn in a well visit checkup um, yearly, like with a primary care doctor, correct? Fasting glucose, I would say 99% of the time. A1C, not so much. Interesting. Uh, okay. Because what would you tell our, our listeners to ask for if they wanted to advocate for themselves, if they've got some of the, they're feeling sluggish, they got weight gain, you know, they're not really sure and they want to check to make sure they don't have insulin resistance or pre-diabetes, what would you tell them to advocate for themselves? So you can ask for a fasting glucose and a hemoglobin A1C and your doctor is not going to have any issue with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole, the fasting insulin you know, they may, you know, some doctors will say, great, if that's what you want, I'll do it. And some, you know, they're, you know, this might be a shock to people, but there are some ego issues in, <laughs> in medicine and, and things like that. But, you know, if they, if it's not something that they aren't hundred percent familiar with, then sometimes they're quick to dismiss it. Oh, well, that's not useful. You know, and that, that comes up all the time in thyroid disease, as you know, Jess, mm-hmm. it's, you know, oh, it's I have to specifically ask for yeah. a whole panel, please yeah. run the whole thing. And my doctors have been fantastic. My primary care docs, like they will do it for me, but I do have to advocate for myself. They won't do it. If I don't tell them to run the whole panel, all I get is a TSH. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So the, the fasting glucose and hemoglobin A1C is, is pretty dang good information. Uh, the fasting insulin though, is that's something that we check on all of our patients. Then, you know, we look at things like HSCRP, which is a marker of inflammation in the body. You know, we'll look at things like homocysteine, which helps look at independent risk factors for heart disease and stroke. Um, Vitamin D, um, which is almost fairly now. You know, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other topic, right? Yeah, everybody's low, right? Yeah, I would say Ninety percent of the people I check are, if not deficient, at least insufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, because from vitamin D, like a standard lab will say anything over thirty is normal. Where in functional medicine, they teach it's fifty to to eighty is ideal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you use that fifty to eighty, unless unless you're supplementing or you're getting a lot of you know healthy sun exposure, then you're you're not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's it's the indoor environment that we all live in and, you know, and, and lots and lots of sunscreen, which could be good in some ways and bad in some ways, you know, there's a lot of toxic chemicals in, in most commercial sunscreens. And so there's, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So vitamin D is a predictor of a lot of different things, but it also plays a role in, in blood sugar metabolism and glucose metabolism. And so that's one thing that we always look at in our patients. And so a lot of what we call predictive biomarkers, which are things that can help identify disease um, or a disease state or a disease process way earlier on before you actually meet criteria. Because that's another thing sometimes with conventional medicine, they'll be like, well, you know, you're kind of like, sounds like rheumatoid arthritis, but you know, your rheumatoid factor isn't positive enough. And so, you know, 
go do your thing and then we'll check it in a year and then we'll see if then if you qualify for us to call you rheumatoid arthritis and then we'll prescribe you methotrexate you know as opposed mm. to you know well what are some of the early predictive biomarkers what can be done right now to make sure that i don't even get rheumatoid arthritis down the road um, you I know, would say that's an excellent segue because I was going to ask you, like, what would you recommend that people do? Like, say they're catching some of this stuff because like you said, so much of it is preventable or if you catch it early enough, reversible. Right. So if you're just waiting until you're really sick and need that medication or you've shot your pancreas, you know, things like that, like, what is your recommendation? Who is the population that you see? Like, is there kind of a drop dead cutoff where a certain person has diabetes, but they're so far gone, there's not much they can do? Or are you of the mind that like, we can help anybody at least feel a little bit better, even if they still need meds because they're so far down the road? So even for, you know, the, like, for example, a lot of my colleagues who have been doing this longer than I have, they have people who have been type two diabetic for 20 years, who is on 200 units of insulin a day and a couple of other medications and maybe not fully reverse the condition, but get them off of insulin on half of their meds. And, and here's the thing is when you do that using diet and lifestyle, so you, let's all just use that same patient. So they were on 200 units of insulin on multiple meds, you know, numbers looking like crap, feeling like crap, they're still gaining weight, they're tired, they're achy, they have brain fog, and then you change their diet and get them on, you know, start looking at gut health and detox and fasting and all these things. And so now this person is on no insulin, they've lost weight, they're on half the amount of medications and they feel a hundred times better. Mm. And so they, they felt worse when they were on all the medications that were supposedly controlling their condition. And so when it comes to things like diabetes, it, there really isn't a too late, you know, it, That's you may really not cool be able, here. Yeah. You, you may not be able to get them off medications, but you can significantly reduce their medications. And guess what? By doing that and by adopting those changes, you've just lowered the risk of dementia. You've just lowered the risk of heart disease, of cancer, of COPD, uh, of renal failure, of all of that stuff um, later on in life, no matter where they are at on that disease process or their journey. Mm, that's, that's so cool. We talk about that with our patients so often about how amazingly adaptable the human body is <laughs> yeah. and how one of the things that I love to tell people because they ask me all the time, well, how long is it going to take for me to get better? And I tell them, well, your body's really good at adapting to whatever you do most frequently for better or worse. And well, well, that, that's so cool to hear that, that you've observed the same thing and seen the same thing as well that like you, that you can even see in late stages of disease processes you know, the opportunity and like outcomes where, you know, people can live qualitatively better lives. That's, that's so cool to see. We see that in physical therapy and research seems to demonstrate that as well. We have some older clients who come in who've never touched a weight before. And they're like, well, can I get strong when I'm 60 or 70? I'm like, I, let's go take a trip on YouTube right now. And I'll show you 70 year olds who are deadlifting, you know, and, and we can talk about like Jess's patients who are almost 80 who are deadlifting as well. And, you know, then we can get you on that path. And it is, it's just, it's amazing what the body can do. We tell people that a lot with the sitting thing, like we coach a lot, you know, away from sitting all day. And that's, let's be real. A lot of our clients, like 
this is a guesstimate, but I talk about this so much. I'm like, at least 75% of my people have got our desk workers, you know? And yeah. well, why do we chronically have tight hip flexors and tight quads? And, you know, it's like, well, I've given you foam roll stuff. We've worked on this here. And then we start talking about the lifestyle piece. It's one of the first things I go to now. I'm like, you could spend a few minutes every day doing exactly what I ask you. But if you were sitting for eight to 12 hours at your desk, I can't help you. <laughs> you know, we yeah. have to change that piece of things to really get them over the hump to deal with some things like that, that's impacting their knee and their hip and their back. So, yeah. Well, I think this is really cool too, talking about what you're doing, Brad, just as far as like intervening with those lifestyle factors, like you mentioned, the, the nutrition side of things, looking under the hood as far as what's going on from a cardiometabolic standpoint as well. You know, are they factoring in things like sleep as well. And I used to think, I'll fully admit this, like when I was a young PT and a young strength and conditioning coach, I'm like, yeah, you just need more exercise. It's like, <laughs> I can eat whatever I want. Like I always think of the old Nutty Professor movie in the dinner table scene where his brother is like, well, you know what you need to do more of is you need to get in the gym and work out because once you start working out, your metabolism goes up and then you can eat whatever you want. And he's just piling on handfuls of chicken and mashed potatoes. And I just, man, I, I still remember that movie's like 20 years old and I still remember that. But like I learned the hard way that that's actually not the case. And like I tell people this now, it's like exercise is probably third on the list in terms of importance. Like if you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating well, if you're not managing your stress, you can't out-exercise those things. Can no. you kind of speak to that as far as what you've observed? Yeah, you know, and it's, first of all, I, I have an exact visual of that scene. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but you know, the, the funny thing about exercise is everyone likes to think about it for weight loss. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, because that's the whole, you know, that's why they want to do it, you know, the, you know, partially vanity part thing and this and that. But really where exercise excels is just health. Yeah. It, it, it really isn't the whole eat less, exercise more, calories in, calories out, the, the science doesn't support that. You know, weight right. loss is, is a hormonal thing. It's, it's the quality of the calories. It's what genetic switches are they turning on and off? What inflammatory switches are they turning on and off? But, you know, really what I tell people with, with exercise is, you know, whether you lose weight or not, with exercise, you're lowering your risk of heart disease. You're lowering your risk of dementia, of cancer, of all those things it turns on so many amazingly healthy genes in your body, you know, anti-inflammatory genes, longevity genes, all of these things. And so that, I mean, that is key, but there, it, it's just one piece of the puzzle. Like you said, Tim, like if you are chronically sleep deprived, then, you know, you're, you're not going, you're not going to be able to turn off those inflammatory pathways or the exercise that you do is not going to turn on those genetic switches that I mentioned because that circadian clock is overpowering it. Mm. So you got to make sure that you're prioritizing sleep, that you're having ways to decompress, um, you know, whether that be breath work, meditation, yoga, those sorts of things. And so, and that you're eating, you're eating, you know, low processed nutrient dense foods. You know, everyone likes to debate all these different diets, keto or paleo or vegan, vegetarian, I mean, really, if you will just eat mostly plants, avoid crappy processed carbohydrates, avoid sugars, avoid crappy processed industrial seed oils, you know, if you'll just do that, I mean, you can play around with your ratio of lean meat or eggs or dairy or, 
you know, I mean, you, you want lots of vegetables no matter what. I mean, some people yeah. think paleo is like this 16 ounce porterhouse and then a little baby carrot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not how our paleolithic ancestors ate. They ate no. You know, and still you, you want plant heavy, you know, and I, I believe that animal protein does play an important role in a healthy human diet, but I also believe that you can have, you know, very healthy vegan, vegetarian and, and diets done like that too. You, you just have to be a little more intentional about that Absolutely. And, how you things and stuff. And so you, you can have a healthy diet either way, but instead of just debating all the small things, just focus on the things that everyone that people agree on, you know, stop drinking your calories. Right. Don't eat, don't eat processed, you know, carbohydrates and high starchy, you know, ground up grains, sugar laden, high fructose corn syrup, soybean, canola oil laden diet. I mean, that's, everyone agrees with that. Mm -hmm. And just, just doing that is going to put you light years above the standard American diet. Absolutely. Which is phenomenal. And before we run out of time here, I want people, because we've been talking about this holistic, like how we need all of these things to be healthy people, especially when people are coming in to see you with chronic disease. So can you walk us through, like, what is the process to be a client at your practice? Like, who are all the people they're going to have contact with? Who's going to help them? And what does that look like? Yeah. And so probably, I mean, a good place to start to get information about us is our website is premierintegrativehealthkc.com or um, if you like shortcuts, pihkc.com. That'll get you there too as well. Uh, and so we have a lot of information there. Although, you know, our, our things like our diabetes program and stuff like that, we, we haven't even added that to our website yet. It's that new. Mm -hmm. um, and I encourage people to follow us on social media. Mm -hmm. There's Premier Integrative Health, which is our main page uh, on Facebook, but then there's Premier Integrative Health Wellness Community, which is where we do like a lot of community interaction. And then it's Premier Integrative Health on Instagram. But the way kind of this, the way the whole process works is at this point in time, and, and this is, there's three ways to work with us now. So there's the traditional way that we've always done. That is our six month membership where you commit to six months of working with us then you know, there's that program is you have five visits with me. So you see me about every four to six weeks. You have eight hours with our health and wellness coach. You have three hours with our nutritionist. Um, you know, we have an in-house massage therapist. You get 40% off of her services. We've partnered with Karma Tribe Yoga. You get six free yoga visits every single month. And so that is that six month membership, you know, and there's a set cost for that. Um, and so that is what we've been doing for the past five years. And can I interject really quick? Cause I think yeah. it's really important that people understand that length of time. Like you would probably agree. Yeah. That's not like the, and I'll be all for everybody. I was but trying like, to do the math in my head. Just like the one-on-one -on -one time. I think you're around what? 17 hours. One-on-one yeah. <laughs> -on -one time in six months. But with, we tell people yeah. with this, like, you know, when you've dealt with something for a long time, when you have a chronic issue, it doesn't go away overnight. And our culture wants a very, well, just give me the quick fix, which is usually how people end up with us. It's we're the last resort. I've seen my Cairo. I've seen a million pain management doctors. I've seen this specialist and this specialist. Well, someone finally recommended PT. And then I'm like, well, great. <laughs> we can certainly help you, but it's definitely like a, you know, hey, you've had this for this many years. Like it's mm -hmm. not going to go away in a month or two months or probably three months. Like it's going to take consistent effort. I think pre-framing that is really important for the client because they can't absolutely get better, but with those long-term things, right? Like, is that, that's why you need you're not a six selling, month commitment, yeah, right? You're not selling the quick <laughs> yeah. fix. Like I'm going to be Superman in 30 right. days. 
Yeah, you know, and that's absolutely why. And two, you know, because sometimes, you know, we're all guilty of, you know, man, I ate really healthy today, so I'm going to go weigh myself, you know, <laughs> that salad, yeah. I should already have lost five pounds, right? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And so sometimes when people are ready to jump in to an integrative or functional or holistic approach, and they work really, really hard for a couple of weeks, and or, you know, even a month or two months, and they're not you know, their 20 year chronic disease isn't miraculously better, then they get frustrated. And, you know, if it's a, a fee for service scenario, then they're like, ah, I've been working this hard. I'm not better. This, this process clearly isn't for me. You know, I'm not going back. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, and that, that is not a sign of weakness. It's, it's not anything like that. That's just how our psyche works mm -hmm. a lot of times. And so that six month commitment we want to have people that they know that it's going to take at least six months. Sometimes it's longer. Mm -hmm. And, but we know we can move the dial enough in that six months that you will really see what a difference it can make. And then sometimes you're good to go at six months. And then sometimes, you know, you need a lot more, you know, support and things like that. And then for us, the cost of our membership drops down to less than 60% after 60 months or after six months, because, really a lot of the heavy lifting and testing and a lot of that stuff is done in that first six months. And so there's that, but now we have our, you know, diabetes group. And it's funny because I, I, I labeled the group or called the group empowerment over diabetes, but in our current group right now, only three of the 13 people have a formal diagnosis of diabetes. Mm. It's a lot of people who are worried about becoming diabetic or they're pre-diabetic or they, they're, you know, they want to lose weight. And so that's, that's been kind of an, an overarching theme in this current group is, you know, my family member has diabetes. I know I'm at risk for it. I don't have it, but I sure as heck don't want to get it. And I, I need the support to, to help me make these behavioral changes, these lifestyle changes. I know I can't do it alone. So I want to do your group. Uh, and so it's, that's, you know, been a lot of it where the people don't even have formal diagnosis of diabetes. Now, that being said, we're starting to get some labs back from this group, and there are people that actually do have diabetes and they didn't know it. You know, mm. like I said, 90% of pre diabetics don't even know they have it, 15% of full blown diabetics don't even know they have it. Wow. Uh, so, if it's a metabolic condition, then these groups, I mean, it's a lower price point. It's, you know, we meet twice a week um, for the first six weeks and once a week after that. And so it is a lot of touch points. It's a lot of education. It's a lot of support. Um, so for some people, that group visit is, is where it's at. But then now also that I have the naturopathic doctor who, you know, if you want to work with us um, and, you know, maybe you want to do a comprehensive stool analysis and an adrenal test and, and have a couple visits. And, and that's all that maybe will work for you financially at the time or you know, you're extremely dialed in from a nutritional standpoint, from a diet and lifestyle standpoint, but you, know, you can't break through your barrier because you do need some objective testing, maybe some recommendations from some small diet tweaks and supplementation, and that's really all you need to get you launching forward. And so our naturopathic doctor um, is going to serve that role, and we're super excited to have her uh, in that regard. And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I do and that she does, Dr. Hubbard, is we do a free 20 minute phone call, a uh, phone consultation for anyone who's considering or wanting to be part of our, our program. And honestly, it's a two way interview process. Um, 
you know, five years into it now, there hasn't been a single person that's done our six month program that I haven't talked to first. Um, most of them want to talk to me first and to find out if we're a good fit. But then I also want to make sure that people understand that integrative and functional medicine is something that's done with you, not to you. And, you know, you don't come and turn yourself over to be fixed. That <laughs> we're going to ask you to change your diet. We're going to ask you to exercise. We're going to ask you to meditate. We're going to ask you to prioritize sleep. We're going to ask you to do breath work. And your success depends on that. And so mm -hmm. I always want to make sure that people understand that. And so I do a free 20-minute consult for anyone interested in joining our, our practice. And Dr. Hubbard is, will be doing that as well for anyone who wants to work with her. And then um, our, our, um, our front office concierge, if, if you don't know kind of what program is best for you or you're interested in the diabetes program, she will kind of go over a lot of that stuff with you. You can email us at eodinfo at pihkc.com. So eodinfo at pihkc.com or call us um, and then we can decide, okay, it looks like you're probably better served in our six month program um, or the diabetes group or metabolic, you know, obesity, weight loss group, or whether that be our naturopath. And so that's kind of how we're trying to figure out how we can best support people, um, you know, with the resources that we have available. That is phenomenal. Yeah. Just great yeah. that you have all those options. And I, and I love the piece where you talked about, this is a journey that you're taking with people. You're not just giving them a pill and, that, that aligns so well with what we do. We talk, one of our favorite phrases is empowering our patients, you know, to yeah. take care of themselves. Um, because at the end of the day, if the only thing that, that we've done is make them dependent on us, we haven't really solved the problem at a root level. Absolutely. So, and that's the best part of our job now is, you know, all of our clients are motivated. They're great. We love all of our clients instead of like looking at our day going, Ugh, like, three-fourths of my day, I have no interest in seeing. They don't care about themselves, you know. We oh, don't have that anymore. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, it's oh phenomenal. That is, I mean, a, a, one of the biggest joys of, of having this kind of practice is, you know, and when I look back at my days of, of residency clinic, you know, I, I maybe could have gotten 5% of the people I saw to really do what 95% of our patients here do. And so it, mm. it is a very beautiful and rewarding selection bias, you know, because yeah. you you have to you have to tell people that there's you're not going to have success with us you know and you know and this this is an investment you know i mean it's not we're not the cheapest place in town to work with by any stretch of the imagination but you know we try to be the best and we try to get the best outcomes and we try to have mm -hmm. a level of account you know accountability and, and support to where you look back in a year from now five years from now 10 20 whatever and you feel like it was a turning point in your life you feel like you've 100x that you know that investment that you made and not just from a health standpoint like i you know i want to hear people you know they you know they they got that promotion that they've been trying to get for years because now all of a sudden their brain's working better and <laughs> yeah, right. energy's better you know or their relationship with their spouse is better or now you know people tell us all the time you know I've, this is the first summer where i've really been able to play with my kids and my grandkids like i've wanted to and and yeah. those are the kind of things that are priceless. And those are the kind of things that when you look back, you know, what you invest in, you know, in a, in a program like working with you guys or working with us, you know, it's, it is a drop in the bucket compared to an ER visit or an MRI or a colonoscopy or a stent placed in your heart, mm -hmm. which if you continue to follow that life, those things are coming. So it's not yeah. a matter of, you know, if, 
it's wind. And so you, you're going to have those expenses um, at some point. Do you want to invest early and save tons of money and have a better quality of life? Or you want to be forced to spend that money and have a worse quality of life later? Because it, it, it's going to be one or the other for the vast majority of people. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I saw something the other day and started thinking about this from the standpoint of, yeah, people who, who think of things like this and interact with us on a clinical level and ask us like, well, you guys being out of network, it's like, you're, you're kind of expensive. And, and I was thinking the reply to that should be, look, if you're thinking this is expensive and if you're thinking all you need is physical therapy, like you need to reframe your expectations because you don't need physical therapy. Just like people don't need just diabetes management. It's like you need a program that's going to empower you to go do the things you want to do. Like you were talking about playing with your kids, playing with your grandkids, performing well at work, being able to have a healthy relationship with your spouse, with your family members, with your friends, being able to live the physical life that you want to live. Like that's what we're trying to do. I think that's kind of in it. It, it just kind of clicked with me as you were talking about that. That's exactly what you're doing as well. It's like, you're not just selling medicine, you're selling like lifestyle, you know, intervention where it's like, you're giving people their lives back. And yeah, that's true wellness, yeah. you know, and a high quality of life, which is amazing. So Dr. Dyer, thank you for your time. This has been phenomenal. I cannot wait for our listeners to hear this. Yes. And thank you for, um, you know, all the information on your website, where to find you on social media. We will make sure we link all that in our show notes so that our listeners can find you. Absolutely. And I, we've got lots more to discuss, so I'm sure we'll ask you to back on at some point and we'll go from there. Awesome. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Healthy Kansas City podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at RestoreThrive.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Restore Thrive is the home to Kansas City's top physical therapy and performance training practice. We're all about helping active individuals and athletes get back to the activities and sports they love without pills, injections, or surgeries. At our core, we believe that you should be able to grow strong and age gracefully. So whether you're trying to get ready for your next race, ready for your next workout, ready to keep up with your kids, pretty much ready to win at the game of life. Check us out and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Restore Thrive. Until next time, be well, everyone.